Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, our church celebrates the Feast of the Holy Family. So it begs the question, what is it that makes Jesus, Mary, and Joseph the Holy Family? And why? Why are they the prototype family for all Christian families to emulate? Well, I think what we need to do is turn to Thomas Aquinas. He gives us the perfect answer. He says, Love will grow among two people in the very measure that the two people will fall in love together with a transcendent third. Well, it makes so much sense when you think about it. Two friends fall in love, not just with each other, but also with something that transcends or is greater than them, which is God. When that happens, yes, they'll stay together, but their love and their faith will grow. And see, that's why Jesus, Mary, and Joseph are the Holy Family. Now, apply Aquinas' thought to our own families. Our families and the relationships that exist within them grow stronger by the very measure in which we love God within our own families. And that is so true for Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph were in love with each other, yet their love grew stronger by the very measure in which they loved Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, how did they show that love for God? By embracing God's will, by becoming parents, the parents of Jesus. They realized by taking on the role of parents of Christ, their lives wouldn't be the same. They would change and change in so many different ways. And their lives wouldn't be dull or boring. As we hear in the gospel passage for this weekend, we hear about the story of the flight into Egypt. Here, an angel awakens Joseph in a dream and tells him that Herod is searching for Jesus to destroy him and that Joseph must immediately wake and take Mary and Jesus and lead them into Egypt. And he does just that. Now, they remained in Egypt, a foreign land for them, far from their home, their relatives, and their friends, and they stayed there for many years before they could safely return back to Nazareth. And yet all the while they were in Egypt, their love grew for one another. By the very measure, their love grew for God. And so it is true what Thomas Aquinas says. Love will grow among two people by the very measure in which those two people fall in love together with a transcendent third. Now apply that to us. The Feast of the Holy Family is also about us and our families. The main purpose for this feast is to present the Holy Family as a model for all Christian families. Our families become sanctified. They are made holy when we live the life of the church in our own homes. And that's what referred to as the domestic church. 
Some of you may have heard that term, the domestic church. St. John Chrysostom, in his writings, he urged all Christians to make each family a home for the Ecclesia Domestica, which is Latin for the domestic church, so as to sanctify or make holy all of our families. And we all can. Again, remember that thought of Thomas Aquinas. Our families and the relationship we have in our families will grow. By the very measure, our love for God also grows. John Paul II also talked about this throughout his entire papacy. He wrote and he spoke about the domestic church. He recognized the importance of the domestic church, not just for the life of the church, but also for society as well as the world. He noted that the more families create the domestic church, there's harmony within that family. And that transmits to harmony within a society. More to it, John Paul II noted that families were the indispensable institution for transmitting faith and values. And so he encouraged all families to be a domestic church, such that the life of the family is ordered around Jesus and our church. And see, in doing so, families are then sanctified and made holy. And so you may say to yourself, okay, how do I create a domestic church within my family? Well, turn to the second reading from Paul's letter to the Colossians. Paul describes some key attributes and virtues that are important in establishing the domestic church in families. The first virtue is humility. There's a classic story with St. Augustine. A person came up to him and asked him, what are the three most important virtues in the spiritual life? Immediately, Augustine answered and said, Humilitas, humilitas, humilitas. Humility, it comes from the Latin word humus, which means ground. If we practice humility, we are grounded in our identity, in who we are in relationship to God, now and always. More importantly, humility keeps us honest with ourselves, always recognizing who we are as servants of God and others in this world. What's the opposite of humility? Pride. Pride, what does it do? It roots us in the, such that we are no longer grounded in our relationship with God. We see everything in this world as it relates to me. Everything is about me, my wants, my desires, my pleasures. And those things come first. And everything and everyone else in this world takes a back seat to me. But instead, we must be like Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, who are the humblest of all people in this world. We must continue to practice humility in order for us to build that domestic church in our families. What's the second virtue that Paul talks about in order for us to establish that domestic church in our families? Compassion. Compassion comes from the Latin root word compasi, which means to enter into the suffering of another. How often have we seen this with parents or even grandparents who forgo things or sacrifice themselves for the sake of their children? Or just the opposite, they go above and beyond themselves. They may take an extra job or spend a sleepless night tending to a sick child. Well, what must we do? Order our lives to helping and supporting those people in our family. And in doing so, 
then we will again establish that domestic church. Another virtue that will help us establish that domestic church, patience. Deep down, many of us are not a patient people. And that's because from a very early age, we are conditioned to get most things in our daily lives done and done fairly quickly. Or if we want information regarding news or sports, we can go onto our telephone, we can go onto the computer or even TV and see news 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Or how about purchasing things, whether it's groceries, clothing, appliances, we don't even have to leave our house. We can go to the computer and go online and start purchasing all these things, rather than patiently getting in our car, patiently driving to each store, patiently picking out things that we need to buy, and then patiently waiting to buy those things. So we are conditioned not to wait. And so we don't have much patience, but we have to. We have to have patience with those in our family and most importantly, patience with God. Turn to the Bible. It's filled with people patiently waiting for God. Take, for example, in the Old Testament, Sarah and Hannah, or in the New Testament, Elizabeth. They waited their entire life to have a child. And just when all seemed hopeless because of their age, God answered their prayers and gave them children. Or how about the Israelites? They wandered for 40 years until they finally settled into the promised land. They patiently waited week after week, month after month, year after year, as they wandered in the desert. And then finally they were rewarded for their patience by entering into the promised land. Well, we have to be patient in our families and with God. We have to remember that old saying, good things come to those who wait. But notice what Paul finally says, And over all these, put on love. That is the bond of perfection. Well, we must love those people in our family, which means we have to will the good of another in each of our families. We must will the best of all the members of our family. We must will the best health, the best marriages, the best spiritual lives in order for us to establish and maintain the domestic church in our families. One last thing. Paul says, Whatever you do, word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What is Paul getting at here? We have to imitate the life of the Holy Family, of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. What was the typical day in the life of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph? One daily prayer. They prayed every day. So must we. Next, regular worship every week. They all went to the synagogue. They kept holy the Sabbath. So must we. Mass every week. They engaged a lifestyle of stewardship. They were constantly giving themselves over in service to each other. So must we. Sharing our prosperity and our prayers and our skills and ability. Those are just a few things in which Jesus, Mary, and Joseph shared together, making them the holy family. Well, Our family and the relationships that exist within them will grow stronger by the very measure in which we love God together. And may your family and the domestic church that you create in your family always be a source of love and support for each and every one of you. 
And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.